welcome back to the latest edition of Unplugged. It's been a bit of uh, revolving doors in the show over the last month or so as uh, the three of us battle Melbourne winter, illness, parenthood, life, work, everything. Uh, and so, Michael Egan, we welcome you back to the show in place of Darren Park. And how are you, mate? Good, good. Great to be back again. Good to have you. H, uh, as always, welcome back. And uh, you're probably the, the fittest of, of all of us at the moment. You haven't you haven't missed a show for a while. Well, I think I've I only done one at the start of May, I think it was, and that was it. So You, you um, went I've away, managed, didn't you? you? Yeah, so it was actually a holiday. holiday. So I've managed to... Seem to avoid it, all the colds and everything going around. So that's been good. So yeah, I'll no, hopefully keep, keep going. That's it. Exactly. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. A uh, little bit of uh, paperwork at the start. Obviously, uh, we normally ask for reviews and, and ratings. So if you do listen to the show and you like to have a listen, uh, jump on mm-hmm. iTunes or Facebook, wherever you listen and, uh, and leave us a review, hopefully a five-star rating if you can. Uh, we'll take what we can get at the moment, but uh, we appreciate you listening. Follow on socials, of course. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're even on threads, even though that place sucks. Um, so, yeah, just uh, chuck us a like and, and engage whenever, whenever you want to join in. Uh, we had a win. It was frustrating. It was a frustrating win. It was a hard game to watch, as we've said a number of times this season. But we are 10 and 8. We're back in the 8 after dropping out for about a day. Uh, and H, sitting watching that game, I think uh, watching that game, I couldn't help but think for all the Saints fans out there that it would almost be a relief if we dropped it and we can just stop the talk of finals and the, the, the postseason run and all that type of stuff and just get it over and done with and sit back and relax for the next month or so and uh, move on to the, the off-season. It's obviously going to be a big, a big off-season for us in, in the way that the club and, and the team is structured. But what did you make watching that, uh, that frustrating win? Um, it was pretty painful. Um, luckily, I had a an overexcited seven-year-old sitting next to me just jumping up and down all games. I was kind of missed, missed a bit of it, but um, yeah, it was not, not a great spectacle in any way, shape or form. It was basically we kicked two goals and thought, all right, we've started fine here. Took the foot off the there and then it seemed like, and sort of coasted for two and a half quarters and then thought, Oh, we better play this last quarter. <laughs> We're a little bit behind, and but, I mean, you played the sort of footy that if we played that for four quarters, we would have beaten them by a hundred points. And yeah. and that's the sort of football we played in a fifteen-minute patch. And you think, well, why can't we do more of that? Why why do we yeah. get ourselves into a situation and then go, geez, we better start doing something now? It, it just seems to be a repeatable offense that we have that we continue to do this sort of thing. And it's just, as you're saying, frustrates everyone. And I mean, there's, there's no, Oh, we played well or anything like that. We, we played 15 minutes and scraped the result. Mm. It It's, it's not something that's going to win us any games in the next five weeks. That patch of 15 minutes could win us four games if we do it over three and a half, four quarters. And that's what it will take to to be even competitive. Um, yeah. I mean, we've lost the Hawthorne, we've lost the Richmond. We beat Carlton last time. Um, we were in much better form then. And we beat Geelong, first 
first time um, ra- rare racing into the finals. And then Brisbane up there, which you sort of think, well, yeah, that's, that's a game that we are going to have to be 110% to even win that match. No one's going up there and winning. So we we put that sort of performance we did on on Sunday against these teams coming up. We lose easily, and and that's as yeah. straightforward as it is. Yeah. There's no there's nothing more simple about if we don't play well, we're getting absolutely smacked. And yeah, it's we need that effort if we want to actually scrape in. But they're just saying if we turn up, if we don't turn up this weekend against Hawthorne, and it's you sort of go, all right, yep, that's where we are. We're out yeah, of the eight. We're out of the eight, and yeah. We've seen we've seen what happens if we don't turn up against Hawthorne, and I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Mick, um, I guess it was it, it was a tough watch. It was real frustrating. It was it was hard to watch. It it felt like a grind and a slog, and just one of those really flat hitouts until that moment, like like H said, where it kind of felt like flicked the switch and Jack Steele went into in a captain mode and and kind of pulled us over the line. But but looking back on it and and watching the game, I guess with with 2020 hindsight vision like we we clearly weren't good we clearly weren't good north weren't good either uh and and i actually looking back on it now without the frustration of how bad it felt in real time i actually think we were the better team i felt like the score line in the game actually flattered north you know we had 80 more disposals we had more inside 50s more clearances despite getting smashed in the ruck 40 less hit outs we had more marks less turnovers we were in front longer you know, better one percenters. Um, the the clear frustration, obviously, letting LDU off the off the chain in the middle, and and he demolished us as as kind of number one midfielders have done all season, and and obviously the frustration of kicking nine fifteen. We had eight more scoring shots than them, but it didn't feel like that watching it, did it? No, no. Um, I was in the social club before the game, and um, I said to somebody in there, God. Wouldn't it be nice just once to have a lovely, relaxing game where we belt <laughs> aside, where we can just sit back and just watch, you know, the blokes who we know can play actually play, and you know, Machito kicks a bag, and you know, Windahe goes thirty-three, and we just sit there and relax, thinking, well, maybe we've got our mojo back. It's only North, but you know, who cares? And beat them by ten goals, and you know, everyone's relaxed and chilled. But of course, it's St Kilda, so that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, look, I've only watched the last quarter back because um, the first three quarters are consigned to history well and truly. But <laughs> I felt um, the key was the key was Ross sending Marshall forward. Um, up until that point, I thought Goldstein had the better of him even around the ground. Obviously, thrashed him at the hitouts, but he had the better of him around the ground. He was Goldstein was a real influence, partially because we kept kicking it to him, but. As soon as that last quarter is wrong, would take the centre bounce and then just hot foot it in the forward line to provide a target and provide a bit of leadership and a bit of he straightened us up, you know, mm. in the in the forward line. Um, that that was the difference. But even then, as you said, H, it was only fifteen minutes because you know towards the end, you know, I mean, they got they kicked that goal and were back within two or three points, and LDU was running rampant, and I know Jack Higgins kicked that point, I think, to give us a three point lead before the, you know, before the uh, match review, the review goal. And I, I just sat there and I said to whoever was around me, I said, that's the worst result possible. Cause I just had this vision of North 
getting it out of defence, giving it to LDU and just having them goal, goal to goal and get back in front and, and win mm. the game. So it's not like we absolutely dominated um, in the last quarter, but we did enough to get us over the line. Wilkie was terrific down back in the last quarter. Um, but last time we kicked 8-16. This, this time we kicked 9-15. And I think... If we, <laughs> it's an improvement. It, the feelings we had... Yeah. <laughs> the feeling we had after the North match, the North match the last time wasn't that dissimilar. Um, mm. Maybe the expectation was a bit higher last time because we were playing better. You know, and since since then, sort of the, the wheels have partially felt fallen off um, form-wise. But it wasn't that dissimilar. It was like, I remember saying to North fans during the week, I said, you know, don't don't think you're going to get belted this week because it's not going to happen. At three-quarter time when they were 15 points in front, you know, what happened yeah, it's... happened. But, 50, yeah, 15 minutes of footy got us over yeah, the line. It's, it's, um, it's really it's really frustrating. Like, And, and you, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the pushing Marshall forward, straightened us up, gave us that option. And something we've been talking about all year is the ability to, to do that if you play two rucks or you have at least a competent backup Ruckman, you know, kind of pinch hitting. And, and we haven't had that all year. We haven't had the ability to, to play Marshall forward um, because he's always needed a spell. Like he, he's done a power of work all season. And it'd be really interesting to see this week. I know Tom Campbell's been named uh, in the extended squad. It'd be interesting to see if he gets a game now that I guess Ross has seen what happens when you can push Marshall forward. But I thought the other difference was um, Jack Steele kind of putting his cape on pretty much for the first time since about round one. Uh, and and it, it wasn't flashy. And, and we'll talk about the fact that he still doesn't seem uh, emotionally happy or content or, or anything like that. Um, he, he doesn't get excited much. Um, but it, it was nice to see him kind of flick the switch as well for the first time in, in about 15 or 16 weeks uh, that, that he's got it in him. And that maybe it's maybe it's turning finally at, at the right time for Jack Steele H. Yeah, um, he he looked back. He, he was finding that I guess finding that um, positioning and that attack that, as you're saying, has just been missing all year. It's whether he's picked up confidence in the people around him or he's sort of got over whatever it was that he's sort of been holding um in the way of an injury or just just lack of confidence or but you sort of you're watching him and going that's what we remember last year that that's the sort of um output we're getting from him the the same level of leadership we're getting from him the same just the same jack Steele that we had right up until last year and yeah, you just see players actually lift around him, and and that's what he does. He lifts players around him. Um, I mean, obviously he didn't get all all eighteen around the field in with that at those times all day, but for those times that he was actually being, well, it's probably the best on the ground. He was probably best on ground for twenty uh, percent of the game, if that. Um, but for those times. You just looked and go, that's the dominance we've been missing. And we just, mm. if we had that at the start of the year, then we'd probably pick up more of those games early on. And 
Um, we pick up the game against Hawthorne. We pick up the other couple of games that we lost close games in. If It just, we didn't have that, I guess, gun in the middle who was just leading the way. And yeah, it's, it's great to see it back. Now we need all the other things around him to work as well. And that, and that's what the next step is. We need to, everyone else to go, hey, Jack's back. We're all, we all need to put in too. We, we all need to do the same. And um, just touching back on the whole Marshall thing, it's, it's probably the best, most um, proactive move that Ross has made all year. And it worked mm. magnificently. Marshall, Ruck, bang, forward. Mitchie around the ground. You've got the you've exploited their back line by putting another foot tall. You exploit their ruckman by making them chase a a fit young kid. I mean, yeah, we're not probably not going to win a lot of the touches, uh, a lot of the um, hitouts around the ground in that case. But we've got another midfielder around the ball, and and we weren't winning the hitouts anyway. No, that, and that's that regard. But what we're doing is we're putting an extra midfielder in that pack, trying to get the ball out and. It's a move that you go. We got to do that every week. It just works so well. It's there's no point resting Marshall on the bench now. Get him down forward. Get get their get their back line. What are we doing? What are we doing? And and that's what it did. It caused confusion because their ruckman wasn't following him, and all of a sudden they're having to restructure an entire back line. You know, okay, you get him, you get him, and then all of a sudden we've got a loose player everywhere. And yeah, it's some it's probably the best move we have made all year by some margin. And yeah, if it's something that we can keep doing and manage to I guess make work every week at some stage, hey, it's I'm sure the team's gonna work it out at some point, but let's let's keep it going until they do. Mm. Just touching on Jack Steele, just for one sec. Um, you said it's his best game for the year since round one. It does beg the question that, you know, we were he was playing hurt until he had that spell off injured, and then did we bring him back too early? Because, mm. you know, it's the best we've seen him since round one, and he's in that time, he's either been, you know, it's been the worst kept secret in footy that he was playing under duress before he had the time off and then he came back and didn't have much of an impact and uh, I know later on we'll talk about sort of players returning from injury and everything but uh, the circumstances we find ourselves in you know it's the temptation of bringing blokes back when they're you know when they put their hand up which they're always going to do um do we need to sort of go well look do we need you in the seniors for three weeks still finding your feet like Jack Steele appears to have hundred percent. I think you're yeah, looking looking back on. It, I think most people would agree that you know, in both cases with those those senior guys, Jack Steele, Tim Membry, that they came back too early. I think looking back, it, it's it's clear to just about anyone that they came back too early. They they needed another couple of weeks off. Uh, Membry was clearly not the same guy. Jack Steele was clearly not Jack Steele. Um, you know, Tim Membry's only coming back in in the in the VFL this week for the first week in. God knows how long. Um, Jack Steele's taken, what, 10 weeks to, to finally get back to anything resembling Jack Steele? Um, yeah, 100% right. And, and 
even when Tim played in the VFL, when he did come back, his form was nothing, nothing special. Hundred percent, absolutely. And so you, I think you're right. It does, it does beg the question: Do do these guys need a, a, another week, another fortnight, another couple of weeks in the twos? Do they need a couple of weeks off, completely off, off feet, off tools to to get themselves right? Like, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's really only something that the 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 medical staff, the high performance staff can answer. And, and you wonder if maybe there's a little bit of confusion given there has been some turnover in that department. If, if they're still, I guess, figuring it out and, and you know, what everyone's capable of, you know, Misson's come back, but there's no one on the team left from when Misson was here the first time. There's now a bunch of other kind of high performance staff under him. Uh, and everyone who was here last year is, is essentially gone. So you wonder if they're just, figuring it out on the fly. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's going to be, you mentioned at the top, it's going to be a really important um, off season and preseason to kind of get these guys fit and firing for, for next year. Um, but, but Mick, you mentioned Cal Wilkie a little bit earlier. I want to ask you a question because Cal Wilkie is our vice captain. Uh, he's in just about everyone's all Australian squad, if not in the starting 22, 23, 24, etc. Is it possible that Cal Wilkie is still underrated? Because we talk every week, everyone talks about kind of the key intercept defenders that that get all the plaudits, your Sicilies and your Vlostens and Harris Andrews and Stephen May and Jack Lever and all these guys. And Cal Wilkie is never in those conversations. And he had another 10 intercept possessions this week, equal with Ben Mackay, who I think a lot of people had in the top couple of players on the ground. And Cal Wilkie just wasn't in that in that discussion is, is, is Cal still underrated? Oh, certainly not with St Kilda supporters, but <laughs> to some extent, I think it'll be interesting to see how the, the all Australian vote uh, works out because I think when we were playing well, you know, in the first half of the year, he was a lock for the best 22 mm. that, you know, I still go back that first quarter against Essendon when he had, I think he had six or seven intercept marks in a quarter. That was as good a, quarter of defensive footy that I've seen, he just you just couldn't get it past him. It was just as good as anything that Lever or Vlosten or, you know, all these blokes could could um put on. But I think since um since our form's taken away that maybe Cal's has a little bit as well. Um not as much as some of his teammates, but and it, and he was back to pretty close to his best last weekend, but um, it'll just be interesting because I've just, just got this sneaking suspicion, I hope I'm wrong, but maybe he's sort of drifted out of the eyes of the the wider footy public a little bit since the team is in general sort of drifted off a bit. Yeah, I, it, it could be a good thing because, I mean, teams repaired on who who's flying, who's not, and that sort of thing, and yeah, if, if he does fly on the rail, I mean, they all know how good he is. That, that's, there's no doubt about that, but there's the whole, oh, his name's not in their head at the moment because they're not talking about him. And the players forget, I guess, sometimes sort of thing and then go, once they're out there, sort of go, oh, I've forgotten who I'm sort of on kind of thing. And, yes, I mean, it, so flying under the radar for a defender is, it's a great thing. Um, I think I think I saw he's still hanging on to about, like to, I said he's, Teams, teams of the season, rolling teams, sort of things, and I think 
Mm. I think he's holding on to one team at the moment. I think he was pretty much in all of them to start with. Um, Jack Sinclair's managed to hold his spot all year in all those. Um, but yeah, he's, I guess, dropped off. But it, it's been more, as you're saying, a reflection of the entire team rather than himself. Um, the ball's been in there more than what it was. There's probably less um, less support for him in the back line. He's had to do more one-on-one role rather than being able to pick off the marks in the back line like, like we see the other teams do to us every week. Um, he just probably doesn't have that freedom anymore that he had early in the season. So it's it's kind of... It's almost a role change and he, he doesn't get noticed as much anymore. And mm. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, if we don't make finals and you sort of go, oh, great. And, but he gets into a team of the season. He gets into an All-Australian. You go, fantastic. Um, it, it's We're building on that. We got, we've had, what, Steele two years ago for the, well, two years in a row, then Jack Sinclair last year. If we manage to pick up two this year, we go, look, geez, we're building. We're building a really good team. We, they're being noticed. They they know that we've got the, those players and we're just going to keep trying to build on there. And, and, that, and those, um, I guess, individual, individual awards kind of help make your team look attractive too to other players that might go, hey, they've had two defenders picked in the All-Australian team. I want to be part of that defensive team. And mm. it, it helps you possibly bring someone else in. So it's not like it means nothing. It, it can really help build us for years to come. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully they, they manage to get in. Hopefully we manage to get in finals as well. But yeah, it's a um, very much a thing that we sort of go, well, it's a bonus if they do, but it doesn't matter if they don't, but it, it'd be really good good looking for us all in long run. Speaking of of role changes and, and fitting into the defensive unit, before we finish up and wrap up this game with some votes, I want to ask you both about Marcus Windhager. I think we've, we've seen him now a couple of weeks in a row kind of work himself into games and there was another 28, 30 touches for, for Windhager. Um, really looks like he's kind of settled into a spot down back and then and then pushing up into the into the midfield when necessary and required. But H, how have you seen Windy's games over the last couple of weeks? Um, yeah, definitely a change in what he's been doing. He, uh, like we saw him use as a as a tagger and a a defensive mid so many times, and I've, I've, it's it's. Almost feels like he felt a bit lost at first when he's been told attack. But in the last few weeks, you go, yeah, he's understanding it now. He's understanding what his role is. He's getting that free space. He's getting that positioning right. He's reading the game better. He's really providing us a bit of drive out of the middle. And he's got a hard head. He's going to burrow in there and get that ball for us as well. But once he gets out in the open too, he also gets gets that run, gets that drive. If yeah, Ross is thinking that he's better at doing this than tagging, then yeah, it's not like he hasn't shown that. I mean, in his junior, that's what he did. He was an attacking midfielder. 
and um yeah it's, it was i think it was one of the games he was like a wait a late call up or something and in a team that had Nick Dacos as well, and they ended up being best on ground in that match. So it's the sort of thing that you go, hey, we've, we've got a player who was at one point considered better than who is the Brownlow favourite. He's got that skill. He's got that ability. He needs that time, and that's what he hasn't had. He hasn't had that time in the senior team. So mm. it'd be great to see him play every game for the rest of the season. Massive, massive preseason. Back round one, and what, let's get a full season from uh, because, uh, yeah, he he's one of those players who's in our young core that we need to build around for the next five six years. Um, and and that's where it starts. These young midfielders that we've got coming through, him, Mitchy, plenty of others that we can build around, and. Yeah, it's it's a good thing to look forward. Go look, okay. They're two, three years off being possibly at their best, at starting to peak. So they got a lot to learn still. But once they get there, they they could be they're going to be very exciting to watch. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting. Last year, rats um used uh Windager as a tagger as we know and I think part of it was to get him into the play. Like he he'd be okay to get his 10, 11, 12 possessions and he's always neat. He made good good decisions. But Rats decided if he was running beside a Lucky Neal or a Tim Kelly that he it brought him into the play. And hmm. he um he was just a natural tagger. And as a result of that he was around the footy like all the time. If you follow Lockie Neal or Tim Kelly around, you're you're around the footy all the time. Um, and this year, I think there's almost been a bit of a a second string to this that it's it's part of a a plan to bring Sinks into the midfield more um, and get him away from that sort of running halfback role. And it's it's been helped by how good Nass has been this year. Um, you know, he's he's certainly not showing any second year syndrome but now that he's sort of got one of those halfback roles locked in um i think part of ross sending windy down there is to say to sinks well you can attend more center bounces and we we need that we need some class in the midfield um and and windy seems to have taken to that role as as well in the absence of you know your nick caulfields and hunter clarks who who could do something similar um He's been terrific, and it's it's hopefully part of his ongoing education that'll turn him into an A-grade midfielder. I'm not sure we can overstate the impact that that hand injury late in the preseason had on his game. I think he was, you know, we yeah, all heard totally. it. He was flying. He had, he had a massive end to last season. Uh, like you said, he, he got around the ball. He was following some of the best mids in the in the league and and was kind of learning on the fly. He was, he was learning from some of the best. Uh, and then... Like I said, was flying through the through the preseason, was as fit as he's ever been, strong, was hungry, and then a broken hand in that in that preseason game. And it's I know it, it sounds like it's only a broken hand, but we're talking about a, a nineteen or twenty year old uh, who's who's flying, who's as strong and fit and and whatever as as he's ever been. 
Um, there's a bunch of hype around him and not just the physical injury, but the impact that something like that can have mentally. And even though he came back a couple of weeks, like three, four weeks later, or whatever it was, he, he didn't have the same energy that, that we saw through the preseason. And I wonder how much of that was kind of nervousness or, or just kind of maybe even like subconscious um, inability to get over not having the same use of his hand. Um, you know, things didn't feel the same. He's, he's had minor surgeries. You know, things feel different. His hand feels different. He's not able to grip as strong. Like a bunch of things that are just little things, but you put it all together, it can have a massive impact, not just on him physically, but but mentally and emotionally. And maybe, again, another indication, Mick, of, of kind of sometimes these guys just need a bit of extra time to, to get over these things. And... Um, Maybe he's another. I mean, we, we won't know. They'll, they'll never admit it. And, um, you know, just speculation, of course. But maybe he was another one that we just brought back too early. Yeah, it's quite possible. And that I remember when it happened at that, um, that practice match against Essendon. You know, he was he was borderline for round one and then suddenly he missed how many games? Three at the start of the year, something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think came back in round three or yeah, round four yeah, was a sub yeah. or something. So, yeah. you know, it's... It clearly wasn't a, you know, I mean, broken hands are never trivial, but I guess there's still levels of brokenness. <laughs> um, <laughs> and maybe we weren't quite told how serious it is. And, and something where you're, you know, you're, you're handling the footy all the time, that has to be a factor in the in the back of your mind anymore, you know, just as much as a knee or a shoulder or any other injury. Um, and especially when you're, you know, you're running through the midfield and, um, you know, you're in, you're in the thick of it, then, confidence is a is a big thing and if you're second grabbing the footy a couple of times and you know it's it's a mental game footy sometimes so yeah Yeah. and maybe like jack Steele, maybe he's now got some confidence um he's you know not quite in the heat of it running off half back you know he's getting his 30 you know high 20 30 touches the last couple of weeks that can only be a good thing and his disposal by foot is you know probably in our best half dozen yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess on that note, we'll move into some votes. Obviously, with uh, with Parco not here tonight, uh, just quickly running through his votes, he's given one to Mitch Owens and Jack Sinclair and Rowan Marshall, two to Marcus Windhager, two to Mason Wood, and three to Jack Steele. Mick, what have you got for uh, for your votes? Um, just reading my writing here. I gave four to Jack Steele because I thought he was our four-quarter contributor. Um, we've talked a lot about how, you know, we played 15 minutes of footy at best, a, a quarter of footy to win the game. Um, Jack was in there cracking in for the whole four quarters, which is great to see. And, you know, as you said before, H, maybe we've, we've got our, our man of steel back again. Um, I gave two to Jack Sinclair because he just never gives up. Even when he's, you know, we're not we're not playing well. He's there. When he's got the footy in his hand, you just know he's going to do something sensible with it, and that's something you can't say about, you know, a few of his teammates. Um, and I gave one to gave one to Windhager for the reasons that I, you know, we've already um, touched on. I gave one to Mitch Owens just because he's Mitch Owens, and you know, the bloke's a superstar. He's going to. He is absolutely, they used to say about this, about Max King when he was about the same age, but one day he is just going to absolutely destroy a game. He's going to kick six. He's he's going to take mark of the year um, and he's just going to wreck some poor defence because he just, 
Um, he tidies up his set shot goal kicking a tiny bit, um, and he's you know the the bloke's got the if he even if he stayed as sort of a high half forward sort of thing he's doing at the moment he's you know he's got the makings of being one of the best in the comp at that. Um, I gave one to. I gave one to Marshall for his last quarter. Um, as I already said, he I thought for three quarters he was pretty much outpointed by Goldstein, but that's you know Goldstein's a champion ruckman, so that's fine. Um, and he basically won the game for us, you know, in the last in the last quarter. So that's that's got to be worthy of a vote. And I gave one to Mason Wood, who was always there and thereabouts. Um, made some blues, but so did probably seventeen other blokes. On the night, but he, you know, he um, he presented when he went forward. Um, his, I thought he's one of the blokes who actually lowered his eyes too when when he was going inside fifty. Um, I thought we did lower our eyes a bit more than we have done in past weeks. The problem was hitting the target when we did lower our eyes. Uh, mm. That that became the issue. So I gave um, Wood a vote for that. Now is that ten? There are thereabouts. Thereabouts. I know Thereabouts. my votes don't count anyway. So. <laughs> H, what have you got for us? Um, yeah, it was, it was one of those rounds. It was hard, but it was easy. But it was then I went back again, looked again, and went. I didn't know where to go in the end, and ended up going. I gave one singular vote to Mitch Owens. Um, I thought like he, he was early on was probably looking to be our dominant player. He looked like he was all going to control the game and have a really good one and outshine Sheasel, which would be the thing. It was probably one thing we really wanted to see happen, just just to give him a little bit of a boost. Um, then I yeah, gave two gave two to Winnega, Wilkie and Sinclair. Um, all provided really well for us. All did the jobs that basically they were sent out there to do. Um, it's... Windhager, as I say, found found his feet and gave some good work in the middle. Welkie as solid as ever. Um, and, yeah, Sinclair, much better than what he's been for the last couple of weeks. He, he's had a couple of pretty quiet games. Um, but, yeah, he seemed to get back and find um, that ability again to give us what we need running out of that back line. And it just, yeah, I mean, he did what he could, but... Then it just all fall down ahead of him, so um, we can't be blaming any blaming him for any of that. Um, and yeah, go three to Jack Steele. Um, hopefully, that's the start of something, and he's back. Um, see, see if he can make a very very late run at <laughs> at the our best player. But yeah, it's gonna it's, it's gonna take some super superhuman games to do that. Well, we, I mean, we know how much of a better team we are when, you know, when, when our best player is playing his best footy, um, and and I think you're right. It was it was kind of tough to to kind of pick the votes, but also I think there was a pretty settled group of, yeah, and, and I think our votes in in this one kind of ha, have identified that already. I wanted to to give a, a mention to Nazaya again, who I thought was was solid. It wasn't his best game, but I thought he was. He was clean and composed. I think he had 23 or 24 touches and still at over 90% disposal efficiency, which is, yeah, for our team, it's incredibly high. Um, 
yeah, and we need more of that. Um, I, I did want to fit Mason Wood into the votes, but there are a couple of moments in, in the second half where I felt like, yeah, he was able to get two hands to the ball and just couldn't couldn't reel in the mark and and really could have had a, a big, big impact on, on the result and just wasn't able to kind of finish off a, a few of those things. But I gave one vote to Rowan Marshall, uh, like you said, H, that final quarter, uh, he, he was the difference maker. Um, and on, on his own, I think he, he always works hard and I think he kind of, he, he ran, he did his, he, he put in his shift, but then that final quarter was kind of the, the difference. He was the impact, uh, that, that we needed, uh, one vote to Mitch Owens. I think you're right, Mick, that he has the ability to be one of the very best players in the competition. And, and his, his, his difference is that he can do it on the ground. He's, he's a bull when running at the ball in the contest. He can do it in the air. He's got really strong hands. He's got a you know, strong core. He can hold himself up in contests and, and really impact in the air. He can kick goals. Uh, he can push into the middle. Uh, you know, he, he really does remind me of, of Dustin Martin. And, and, you know, really loathe to make these sort of comparisons because we know, we know how good Dusty is, but you know, very similar kind of size and strength and the ability to kind of make things happen um, almost out of nowhere. Like you can snap a goal from the pocket, you know, one-handed gather and spin and kick a goal. He can take a big, big two-handed mark at the top of the goal square. He can uh, run through the wing and through the middle and, and really impact um, contest and stoppage. And he's just, I mean, it's, it's amazing what this kid's ceiling is. And, and I think we've only just scratched the surface of it. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do long-term. I, I gave two votes to Jack Sinclair. And I think you you mentioned it um, when you were giving your votes, Mick. But it, it, it wasn't his best game. But he just, he's probably the most trusted player on our team when he's got ball in hands. You just know that he's going to do something with it. And he's going to take care of the ball. It doesn't mean that he hits every target, but he rarely misses. And and he makes good decisions. He'll take a risk when the risk is there to be taken. Um, but you know, he doesn't he doesn't blaze away. He lowers his eyes and can hit hit guys up short. He can go long and and you know, kick to a lead, kick to space, all these sorts of things. He can win his own ball, he can play on the outside. He's just turned into such a, a, a well-rounded uh, midfielder for us and and like you said the ability to to, to push Windhager back to to push Naz back has just given Sinks that freedom to to be creative and and win the ball and and be himself in the middle of the ground which is has been super important for us uh, I gave two votes to Windhager for the job that he did uh, just really nice to see him be able to impact you know across four quarters and um, yeah a little bit like you said H for, for Jack Steele that this is hopefully the beginning of, of something for him as well. Um, and Jack Steele, I thought was, was clearly our best player. I gave him four votes. Uh, nice to see the skipper back. Uh, I would like to see a bit more emotion from him when, you know, when, when things are going our way and, and he's able to, to have an impact, but um, you know, one step at a time and, and I'd, I'd rather him play excellent footy and show no emotion than play terrible footy and show lots of emotion. So um, good to see him back. And, and I think that just about wraps up the North game. Uh, we look towards Hawthorne and, and we've seen earlier in the season what happens when we just don't turn up against Hawthorne. Uh, obviously, we, we've spoken ad nauseum about the impact of James Sicily in that one, especially in the second half and yeah, our inability to 
get through him, past him, over him, around him, whatever. And I think that there is one big difference this week. I know we're going to talk about some of the the ins uh, this week on the extended bench. Uh, we've got Billings, Cordy, Stocker, Highmore, and Campbell. Ryan Burns has been named uh, on the ground, which is good to see. But yeah, yeah. Mitch Owens, I think we, we've talked a lot about Mitch Owens, and and I'd feel like had Owens played that first game, there's no way he allows James Sicily to do what he did in that second half. And I, I feel like he's the big difference maker uh, in this one coming up, H. Yeah, and in the same same time as well, we look at what Marshall did on the weekend. If he did that that week as well, Sicily all, all of a sudden had to become accountable for someone. So it, it's a couple of moves there. You go, hey, look, we're, we're going to go from him sitting there doing absolutely nothing to possibly having to go, hey, I've got two players here I've got to keep an eye on. So, yeah, let's let's keep him to six marks. Let's keep him to 11 touches. None of this 40 and 3,000 marks from kicking it straight to him. It's, yeah, it was absolutely atrocious last time. And... You, you can't let a defender just do that all day and not change anything. And, and that's exactly what we did. And you, it's, it, it's, oh, we're talking about Marshall being the best move that he's made all year. Not making a move on Sicily last time is probably the worst thing he's done all year. And mm. yeah, so it's, it's the sort of thing where you look back and go, this is where decisions need to be made. It did brew job one week, and then if you do nothing the next week and we lose because of it, then, yeah, it, it, it counts for nothing. And mm. it, if we see exactly the same thing happen again, we haven't learnt. And and that's what the last game against Hawthorne has to be used as, a learning lesson. And that, that, it's as simple as it is. We, we need to like, – they should be watching that game again this week and looking at it going – this was horrible, this was horrible, this was horrible. Let's never do that again. Uh, yeah, it's one that you sort of go, well, <laughs> if we turn up and do exactly the same thing, it's, yeah, there we go, it's curtains. Well, one but, of the concerns I think in, in that regard is that I, I feel like we shouldn't have had to wait until the rematch to see if we learn our lessons. Like we, we talk about learning our lessons and, and that Sicily game was obviously like the peak of, of this conversation. But since that Hawthorne game, we've done exactly the same with Andrews and with Stephen May and mm. was it um, Will, not Brody, Will, Will Powell. Uh, Gold Coast did the same. I think he had mm. six or seven intercept marks. Um, Nick Floston had seven or eight intercept marks. Like it seems to happen week after week and clearly mm. we haven't learned our lesson. Mm. Um, Mick... Outside of the obvious that we've already touched on, um, Owens to, to Sicily or, or Marshall pushing forward and, and being that extra tall, I mean, from the outside looking in, what what do we do to nullify James Sicily this week? Well, um, maybe lower our eyes a bit, as we did last week, um, because if we at least trying to hit up a leading target, that takes him out of the play more than just bombing it to the hotspot does. Um, what I what I don't want to see again, and, and we've talked about what a terrific 
game Jack Steele played. But the one thing he did two or three times that annoyed me a little bit on the weekend was that he would take a mark, say 50 out, and he would go through all the motions of having a shot for goal. And you'd sit there going, gee, I wonder if he's got this in him. He, um, and then he would sit it up 25 metres from goal. And in the time it took him to go through all the motions of having a set shot, the entire North Melbourne defence and half the cheer squad have propped himself exactly where he kicked it. And if he does that again, Sicily will just, like he mm. has that sort of stuff for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think the number one thing is you've got to lower eyes and, and if we don't hit, you know, if we spot up a target and we miss it or whatever, so, so be it. It creates a chaos ball and hopefully mm. we can get something from that. But we just can't, you know, maybe in some ways it's a good thing Max won't be playing because it's a trap we fall into mm especially when you've got an elite intercept defenders like mm. Sicily. And he's also such a great distributor of the footy. You know, once yeah. he marks it, he's, you know, he's not captain for no reason. Um, mm. He's a, he distributes it really well. So it's a two-edged sword. So don't bomb, don't bomb it in, tell the forwards to provide options and just, you know, spread the forward line a bit and try and take him out of the play. But as, as you said, H, you know, if, if Owens can make Sicily accountable and make him think a bit rather than just thinking well you know what's what's the record <laughs> wait here for the next keep the guns in game. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um that's that's got to help too yeah down, down the other end of the field i think is one of my other concerns and you know we've spoken a lot over the last couple of years about dougal howard and and you know the fact that he is a bit of a space cadet and you can, you know when he's got ball in hand he does stupid things he makes silly decisions and and whatever but he is still i mean doesn't matter whether you're watching the game. Doesn't matter if you're watching the the, the box score and the stats and, and advanced metrics or whatever. One on one as a defender, he is one of the best contested one on one defenders in the competition. And I don't care how you feel about him as a distributor, like you said about James Sicily. I don't care how you feel about him with ball in hand. I feel like we're going to miss him this week, and, and I feel like this could be a week and. and it's, I'm kind of torn because uh, we've been saying this for a while. I, I, I kind of want that to be validated by the fact that um, you know, we, we, we will miss him when he's not there and, and that he's got a skill set that no one else in our, on our list has. Uh, but also, uh, if, if we miss him as much as we might, then that, that goes a long way to winning Hawthorne the game. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a, as a fan who's kind of tried to back Dougal Howard as much as possible, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of when he's not there, we kind of understand his value to the structure and the, the lineup. But I'm also a little bit worried about what that means when Hawthorne are, are moving forward. And we know that they can do that. They've got some X factor. They've got some, some run and carry and, and all that sort of stuff. Their, their midfield has been pretty good over the last month or so, generally over the over the course of the season. And so that does worry me a little bit, H. Yeah, it's if as we're saying, if, we, if they're not on it, um, we're going to get exposed. Um, Dougal, as as you're saying, he makes these weird decisions, and but it's generally when he's got the ball. But when he hasn't. He, he builds a structure. He gets players into positions. He he is accountable for his player. 
Um, unfortunately, I mean, the, the first goal we can see he conceded on the weekend was from him falling over in what turned out to be a wet surface. Um, it's that that forward, like in the middle of our forward line in the first quarter, you saw a number of players actually fall there. So, yeah, it's that was quite an unfortunate situation for him that I mean, no one saw it and everyone's going, oh, Dougal's players get the goal. But no one saw that. He, he, yeah, he fell on this wet surface. But I think it, that was actually the incident where he got injured as well. Possibly, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to really show his value if all of a sudden they really get a stranglehold on us up forward. And there's all the naysayers that he has might all of a sudden go, oh, hang on. He's providing a lot more than we than what they think. I mean, as I'm saying, yes, he makes these, he's, we could call them, I know, Dougalisms if we wanted. They're, they're, <laughs> there's just situations where you go, what are you doing? Um, but overall, he's probably one of the most accountable players we've got. And yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how we cover him. Um, but Cordy has to it's fight. not like we, it's not like we don't have reliable defenders around him as well. It's just, we don't have those big defenders and that's where it's going to be a, a bit of an issue. Um, so yeah, it's, we will, we will miss him. That, that, that's, that's, mm. you can't not, you can't deny that. Um, it's just going to be how well we can actually cover him and, Hey, if, if they get a start like they did last week, are we going to catch them? I mean... Mick, how, yeah. how do you feel when you see some of the, the, the stuff that Dugs cops, you know, in the the forums and the Facebook groups and Twitter and all that sort of stuff? I mean, he cops way more than his fair share, I would have thought. I uh, agree. Um, the thing with Dugs is he'll do some really good things, like he'll spoil or... You know, he'll be in front of his man or, you know, he will take an intercept mark. But at the same time, as, as H said, he'll he'll fall over or he'll, when he does spoil, he'll spoil into the corridor rather than smashing it out of bounds. And the trick with Dougal is to make the good stuff outweigh the mistakes. Um, and Which it generally does. Makes, yeah. which, it, which it generally does. But, but as Nick said, you know, you go on the socials and... Um, yeah. Every mistake he makes gets shouted from the rooftops, but the little things that he does that are good, maybe because they're not as noticeable, but mm. they tend to mm. get overlooked. But Cordy has to play to replace him. It's the exact reason Cordy was brought to the club. That's it's right. the exact yep. circumstances. We, we broke the glass with him as a forward at the start of the year when we had you know nobody else. We, we weren't to know that you know Philippou and Camadidi would come on as they, they have. They were two kids playing their, their first game. So he spent time as a forward, so we broke the glass and used him as a forward. But when we brought him to the club, he was to replace Dougal if he got injured so that can you know, so that Cal Wilkie doesn't have to play on Jezza Cameron or Mitch mm-hmm. Lewis or or um Hawkins or yeah. whoever it, Hawkins, whoever it is. Mm. Um so A if he doesn't play and B if he doesn't play on the number one number one forward which will be Mitch Lewis on Sunday, then why is he there? Yeah, I mean, I think the question really in any logical sense is Cordy or Highmore. And and if you're looking at in that regard, it has to be Cordy. 
Highmore is not a Dougal Howard replacement. No. He's more of a battle or a Wilkie replacement. And and he's not a great one-on-one defender. He doesn't distribute the ball well when he's got the ball. It's it's almost astonishing the, the number of people calling for for Highmore to come in this week because he's not the type of player we need. Um, you're right, we need that kind of monster fullback to kind of come in and, and take your, your Mitch Lewis um, because they're 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 a dangerous team. We know that they're, they're not competing for, for a final spot. We know that they're not a, a top four team in the competition at the moment, but they're building and they're building something that is really exciting if you're a, a Hawthorne fan. And you know, that they took advantage of us last time and we've got to be really careful that we don't fall into the same holes. And and if we just go in expecting that that you know we can run over the top of them, then then we're fooling ourselves. And you know, someone like a Cordy is going to be super important. The, the, the other question mark, Tom uh, Tom Campbell named in the squad for the first time in forever. Uh, having seen what what Marshall did in the final quarter last week, is this the week that Tom Campbell gets a run, Mick? I think it's very likely. Um, look, he's he's a you know he's a he's a big big body. Um, the other option, of course, is bringing young Max Heath in, who's not a he's a big tall lump of a kid, but um, he probably at this stage hasn't got the physicality of Campbell. Campbell had a fantastic year for Sandy last year, won their won their best and fairest. Um, what I've seen of Sandy this year, he's been really serviceable without perhaps being in best and fairest form and partially that could be because um they've given max heath more time in the ruck to try and you know develop him as a ruckman who goes forward but i hope he plays because it allows rowan to go forward more um and as we saw last week we need a we need a big body with some experience um in the in the forward line and we've at least got to give it a go if it doesn't work and sicily takes another 300 intercept marks then so be it but i think the time's come now where we need to use rowan more flexibly than than we have been until now Mm. the other the other big out from last week obviously we won't know final squads until the weekend but brad hill uh following that collision on the wing uh, he's another one that i think is unfairly maligned by sections of of the supporter base i think in the past Potentially a little bit more fairly than, than now, but uh, yeah, he, he's he's been a really reliable player for us over the last two seasons. Um, I, I think we've seen less and less of the um, complete outside player, you know, not the head over the ball type stuff that, that he's been accused of in the past. Uh, I think he's been really, really good at that this year um, and, and doesn't get the plaudits for that. And I, I think we saw the... We saw the output of that on, on the weekend, you know, going into that contest. And I think mm. that he got the credit from from the coaching staff that he deserved for for going into that contest. Uh, but I think we're going to miss him this week, H. Yeah. Uh, well, Rossi gave him a big pump up um, after the game, and um, he yeah, it was it was quite unfortunate. He, he he looked on. He actually looked on before he before he went off, and um, it's it was, it was disappointing as. First few touches and that, and I, I thought, okay, yeah, he's here to play today. All of a sudden, I'm looking at him seeing you on the bench, and I, I didn't didn't see the incident. I was I was at the game and didn't see why he was off the ground, and thought, 
it's a bit, bit strange. I thought the knee may have flared up or something, but it wasn't until after the game that's where he got absolutely cleaned up. And I sort of thought, well, geez, I've seen players go for less than that before. So it's, it was a bit of a, you know, one that I was a bit like, yeah, picked off behind play a little bit. So, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he's week off, gets himself better, and he can he can return in a week. And, um but yeah, it's a good opportunity for some other players who I guess had that similar kind of opportunity and play sort of similar position to go, I'm going to give this a red hot crack and make it hard for him to, I mean, it's pretty much getting, if he's fit, he gets back in. There's no hmm. argument there, but make it hard for them. They, these players who are now going to get the opportunity to be dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised, Mick, that uh, that Ryan Burns was named on a wing ahead of Jack Billings, who was sub last week, ahead of um, Liam Stocker, who's named in the ex- the extended squad this week? Um, you surprised that that Burns has been kind of guaranteed his spot this week ahead of those guys? Yeah, I think maybe Stocker hasn't got a spot because of Marcus's move to halfback. That's mm. been that's been his thing this year. Um, Look, Bert, Burns can find the footy. There's no question about that. He's racked up some really good numbers this year. Um, and, you know, it's the old saying, you can't teach people how to find the footy. But his disposal is what lets him down, unfortunately. Mm. Um, a bit like, like Zach most Jones. of the squad. Well, yeah, you know, Zach Jones is another example of like, you know, he was everywhere, even when we weren't playing well last week. But every time he got the footy, he just, you just had your heart in your mouth. Um, he tries to break every single tackle and, um, but look, I, I wish, I wish Ryan well, you know, he's, like I said, he can, he can find the footy and if he can clean up the, his disposal, um, I think he's certainly a, um, you know, he's very good at VFL level. Um, I, you know, I wish him well and I hope he, um, I hope he gets, gets another 27 and 27 or 28 and, and uses it sensibly because if he does, that goes a long way, um, to us winning the game. Be interesting to see if uh, if Jack Bytel is one of the outs this week. Mm-hmm. You know, is one of the one of those guys like Highmore that you know sections of the the fan base have been screaming for him to be in the squad um, for for the last two or three years. Um, yeah. Highmore, just just touching on that, I think a lot of people look at his VFL stats and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah you know, he correct." Had, and what people don't realize is that he's also the designated kicker at before back and as soon as you play on that's a kick it's a kick um and much as he's you know he's an okay footballer um i think his stats every week are uh are pumped up by that and Mm. um i think both battle and wilkie would want to go out of the side before you know into before they look at high more in honesty yeah, I, th- I think so. And I think kind of go back to that, that one game towards the end of last season, I think where he had 12 or 13 intercept marks and kind of 28, 30 touches. But I think he had he had about 12 or 13 clangers in that game as well um, where, you know, he'd take that intercept and then he'd give it right back to them through the middle of the ground or, or whatever. So yeah, he's, he's he's certainly not the finished product. And, and I think you're right that people do kind of look at the, the stats uh, from the VFL and just kind of assume that... that they're kind of next up uh, when maybe that isn't the case. Um, a couple of the awards uh, before we finish up. Um, 
the Jason Blake Award. Have either of you guys got uh, got something for for the Jason Blake Award? Um, I'd give mine to Ness. He's I don't know how quiet his achievements are, but I just think he's getting better every game. And what I love about Ness is that he's not afraid, even when we're not playing well, to make difficult choices when he disposes of the footy. He looks for the best option. It might not be the easiest. It might not be the safest. But um, I, I still remember watching... I went back and watched the first quarter of Collingwood and Fremantle a couple of weeks ago before the, our game started against the Gold Coast. And the one thing I noticed with Collingwood is that they always... Coming out of defence, they, they choose hard options, hard attacking options that, because they've got blokes who are really elite users of the footy, coming off half-back and coming out of defence, it more often than, than not works. And that's what I see a bit of in Nass, is that he'll look for the best option and it doesn't always come off and occasionally he'll turn it over and, you know, people in the stands will be screaming. But if we're going to get to be a better football side, if we got, like want to challenge the Collingwoods and the, um, the Brisbane's and the Melbourne's and the Geelong's, we've got to do that too. And I think, you know, Nass is... Ticking all the boxes as far as that concerned. H, um, I, I was almost just going to harp back to as we were talking about earlier. Kawuki, he's he's kind of dropped off a little bit, but his his output each week is probably no different to what he's provided for every single game he's ever played for us. Um, yeah, when we can pump him up while his um, value outside the club drops off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fair. I wanted to give a bit of credit to Cooper Sharman this week. He's not someone that we talk about often because of the types of roles that he's played when he's been in the team. And he's certainly not a not a walk up start by by any stretch. But I think he's kind of proven himself to be a pretty capable swingman, utility, whatever you want to call that role, where you know he can go forward, he can take a mark and kick a couple of goals, he can be that kind of third man up in defence if if we need to have a, an extra man or. Or something, um, and he's he's shown the ability to read the ball pretty well and get to a contest and, and throw a fist in and, and have an impact that way. Um, I've been really impressed with him actually, and, and I think that he's put in a couple of really good shifts over the last month or so. Um, and so, just wanted to to give a little bit of credit. But I think you you know both of you guys have kind of hit the nail on the head with with those two choices. The Shannon Knoll award. I'll just kick it off briefly here because I've already mentioned it a few times. But Jack Steele, you kick a captain's goal. Just get a fist up, show some emotion, you know, a bit of a celebration, get around the boys and, and all this sort of stuff. You know, he's playing some playing some good footy and it would be it would be great to see him kind of show a bit of that fire. Um when it when it counts, you know, he kicks a, a really big goal in the last quarter. Um it's been a tough game, it's been a tough stretch, tough second half of the year. Just, you know, sh- show a bit of fire and and pump the boys up um with your uh, non-football actions. Like you do a really good job in, in getting the footy and throwing your body around. But you know, when you kick a big goal, let's, let's, let's see a bit of fire. Um, what have you guys got? Um, I, I think we just got to harp back to Gresh. He's hang, hanging in there by, I mean, it's not even a fingernail anymore. It's, it's an invisible wire. I don't I don't know what, is keeping him in there at the minute. It's, um, yeah, it, it's baffling. 
I'm I'm trying to work out if he was in another team, he would be getting dropped. It, I think we that we were expecting a um, statement drop last week, and we got Liam Stocker. Okay, that's that that's not a statement. Gresham is a statement saying doesn't matter who you are. You're not playing well. You you you're out. And he hasn't played well. He's had one game where he had a few touches, but a lot of those touches didn't provide us with anything. And I mean, we can we we almost have one person each week say his name, and it's not like it's oh it's the last four or five weeks. It's been the whole season. It's gone back into last season. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And we continue to ask the question, how is he still getting a game every single week with the output that we're getting from him? It's you can get as many yeah. touches as you want, but if you put it in straight down the straight down the backman's throat, it you're not providing us anything. And and that's that's what has happened. And yeah, I'm still still wondering how we're in the situation we're in. Mm. Mick? Yeah. Um just going back to, to Jack Steele, you're talking about emotion and it just I immediately thought of an iconic bit of vision from that final game in 2020 against GWS when Jack kicked the absolute sealer to put us in the finals. And you're talking about give us a fist pump. That was one of the great fist pumps. Yeah, of all that was time. the double fist, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, might well have been. And just the look on his face and they're like, oh my God, we're in the finals. Yeah. And we need more of that. I agree. Um, my Shan Noel goes to uh, Butler. We've all of us have talked a bit tonight about the inexperience of our forward line and you know how we can't expect Caminiti and Philippou to sort of carry the load all season. They're fantastic, but it's round twenty and we're quite understandably hitting the wall. But um, but Butler's like he's the experienced bloke up there, you know. Especially when we sit the ball on forwards' heads, if we want to create a chaos ball, you know he's the he's the leader of the pack down there. He, Higgins has been had some injury issues, but I think he's had a better season overall than than uh, Butler. And I think he just needs to show a bit more when the forward line is being uncohesive. Um, you know, there's a lot of chaos ball up there, and there's a lot of times when the ball just gets you know ripped out of the the back line. I just think he needs to show a bit more when we're not playing well. Yeah, interesting one, but I think he's had a generally a, an, an okay season. I think his first half certainly was better than the, the second half has been, as as you could probably say for, for most of the squad. But um, yeah, I think you're right. When when you've got such inexperience and, and such young kids, you need you need some of the old heads to kind of calm things down and, and keep things rolling. Um that's so St Kilda. I just wanted to touch on H. You you mentioned it last week and and all the talk about kind of a statement and um, you know maybe there was going to be a a statement made at selection. Maybe there was going to be a big fish dropped and whatever that looked like. And then as always, it was Ryan Burns and Liam Stocker. Um, you know, two kids essentially that that are you know, Stocker's been, I guess pretty solid and, and probably best 22, best 23 all season. 
Um, maybe that's a statement I, I wouldn't call it. So Ryan, but dropping Ryan Burns, who's been in and out of the, the team for the last two or three years, is, is certainly not a statement. Um, but I just felt like, you know, so many times over the last decade, we've talked about, you know, a senior guy needs to be dropped to make a statement to, to I don't know, br- bring the, the guys back in line or, or something. And um, I, I didn't think that was it last week. That, that certainly wasn't it. And, and um, it just reminded me that that's kind of what we've been like at the selection table for a decade. And, and it was that was pretty St Kilda. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah, we've pretty much put ourselves into this position again. And it's, <laughs> we go back to, um, what was it, 2000? I think, was it 17? We missed out by percentage. Um, it's, we, we dug our own hole and it just continued to, well, one person's digging a hole and the other one's digging a hole and they're filling it up. And it's, it's, <laughs> No one, no one knows what's going on, and yeah, we're our own worst enemy, basically, and it's yeah. it's a, a a usual story. So, um, yeah, let, let's I don't know, let's somehow be anti so Segilda and just just to do something amazing. It'd be uh, yeah, see what happens. That'd be nice. Uh, to finish up, we've got some listener questions. They're all kind of based around uh, trade period, players to target, trade bait, etc. We might keep that for the next couple of weeks, uh, especially while I guess the finals conversation is still going. And, and while that conversation's alive, this is a must-win game uh, against Hawthorne at Marvel Sunday afternoon. Following that game, we've got Carlton, uh Richmond, Geelong, and then Brisbane in Brisbane to finish up. So this really is a must-win game if uh, if we are to make September action. Uh, so get to the footy, yell and scream, and and get around that the boys uh, we might not have too many too many more chances to do so uh, if we lose this one. So get around them, go Saints, and uh, we'll see you at the footy. <laughs>